So th- this morning, Andy posted his, his final season preview article uh, talking about how the preseason hype is finally all over, reached a crescendo, blah, 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 but, but you're wrong because we're keeping it going right here. <laughs> Welcome to the Golden State of Mind season preview for the 2013-2014 NBA season. This is Ivan. I'm joined by Brother one a.k.a. Shiloh. We've got Evan Z, uh, also Rasputin, and Andy Liu. Welcome, guys. What's yeah. going on, Ivan? Not much. I'm, I'm finally glad to, to get this going. We've been talking about doing some podcasts for years, and uh, and this is this is the finally the year where we're going to, to start it up. We're going to keep it going. This is the second ever uh, Golden State of Mind podcast. Um, the, the first one might might make it out of the archives one day. That'd be um, awesome. <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot of good insight. Yeah, we'll 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 certainly uh, we'll They're tease it out. Sure. Maybe we'll we'll give little portions to the audience uh, as as we go on here during the season. I'm pretty sure I predicted uh, a win against Denver. So oh, we'll we'll see about that. I don't quite recall that one. So uh, we want to talk today about uh, about the Warriors. We're going to talk about the Western Conference and talk about the Eastern Conference and talk about uh, you know just what we think is going to happen this season. I don't know if it, it might just be me, but it. it it might just happen every season. Every you know, coming out of the off season, you're you're thinking, uh, you know, oh, this this is more of an interesting season than usual. There's a lot of storylines. There's a lot of things that have been hyped. Um, I and and again, this might happen every season, but but this season really seems like there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of a lot of tanking. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, very new teams. Uh, a lot a lot of player movement. Um, and, and really kind of a more, um, more open field, it feels like. Um, so I want to, I want to touch on all that. Uh, do you, how are you, do you guys feel uh, a little differently coming into this season, um, as compared to years previous? Is it, uh, you know, especially as Warriors fans who, who aren't really used to these expectations? Well, absolutely. Um, this is, this is a different team. This is not a team, the kind of team the Warriors have put together in a very long time. Uh, it's not a young team. Last year was a young team on the rise. This is a team that suddenly, bam, has established expectations and an established core to it. It's like you took the the Boston trade, Danny Ainge's big trade for um, Ray and and for Garnett, and then folded it in slow motion over a year and a half, and you wind up with Bogut and Iguodala. So this is a very, very different situation than the Warriors have been in a long time. Right, and even even last year, it was there was a lot of excitement um, around the team to to start the season, but um, but the, the really the expectations weren't there because of you know we, we've got that year under our belt where it's like wait a minute this is uh, this is a this is a real team, um, and and you know of course the the Iguodala uh, addition is uh, is huge and and um, I don't know if, if is. Uh, Andy, is that the most exciting single thing that you're looking forward to with this team, or, or anything? I, uh... I think y- yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, as for the excitement, I think usually uh, in the past years people are, have been cautiously cautiously optimistic, where it's okay. The Warriors they're going to be exciting, but we know they're they're not going to win many games, or or maybe they'll make the playoffs, maybe not, but. But this year, it seems like everybody's just, you know what, screw it. We don't even care. We don't even, we're not even going to say we think that they're going to be bad or we're just going to say they're going to win. I think, I don't think I've heard anyone say that they're going to win less than 50 games yet. Right. I've, I've seen some championship predictions. I've seen, 
57 wins, which is... Andy, which, have you not seen my prediction of 49 uh, wins? No, I have not, actually. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's in the minority, though. I would, I no, would I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I was about to say, because that's actually, that's, I would sort of agree with that. 49 would be... Although you uh, did just predict 52, I believe, right, in your, in your right. case today. So, yeah, hey, no walking back then already. <laughs> I, I think I'm one of those guys that are just, I'm a little nervous going in. Uh, and the uh, news today was that uh, Barnes is out for a week or two games with whatever the hell he's dealing with. We have no idea. Right. It could be, I don't even... <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. They're not saying anything. It's a little, it's a little worrisome, I guess. Well, hey Shiloh, do you think that um, you know, what do you think Harrison Barnes' uh, role uh, for this team is going to be, and whether you know him being out for any ex- extended period of time, uh, how that's going to affect us? Um, for the extended, if he's out for you know two two games, ten games, it's really probably not going to make that big of an impact on the team's overall win-loss record or any real playoff seeding. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see the Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, who comes off the bench. Um, I don't think that story is done. Um, I don't think that book has been closed who's going to be coming off the bench. Um, it'll be interesting to see who comes off the bench and who plays with the, the uh, starting five. I would even venture to say that the person who comes off the bench will have the better box score every night and we'll be in a running for six man of the year. Um, and then you can start the uh, the big contract talk for that guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that one comes into play. But you, I think we are all talking about expectations for the Warriors, and it's it's really interesting. You know, I think in the, you know, I'll, I'll call it for, for lack of a better phrase, uh, the Golden State of Mind era of Golden State Warriors <laughs> basketball. Uh, so since 2005, um, I can only think of two times when there was actual expectations going into a season. And that the one first time was the 2007-2008 season, right after we right. leave. Right. And then this year, the year right after the, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just call it the We Are Warriors because that's what the playoff t-shirts were, right after the We Are Warriors season. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's an interesting feeling. We haven't had that, um, you know, that, that feeling in the community since, since that 2007 season. Yeah, I don't, I don't like talking about this because we we won 48 games that year and didn't make the playoffs. So, our, and, and you're comparing this season to that season. What are you What are you trying to say here? Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to make everyone else 49. hate me even more. So before <laughs> that, the other time in Golden State Warriors history when we had expectations was 1994 <laughs> Right after <laughs> uh, Webby's rookie season, when we went into the playoffs. So, uh, to say that I'm nervous going into the season is an understatement, because uh, I, f- I feel like we've gotten screwed the past twice, past two times. There's expectations, so it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I kind of see it as let's get over the expectation curse, because uh, you know, uh, normal sports fans they go into a season and they have expectations for their for their favorite teams, right? I think it's time for us as Golden State Warriors fans, to have expectations going into a season and feel good about it. So let, let's feel good. Let's hope Let's hope things work out this year. Well, you know, and the expectations aren't just on us. It's the it's the players, too. Um, and, and I kind of wonder if, uh, you know, we've had the type, type of player, uh, like, like at least like in 2007-2008, uh, there 
Well, there were a fair amount of, um, of veterans on that team, so maybe that's not really fair. But but at least th- this year, you know, generally guys that, that have been around for a while but maybe haven't made the playoffs, and so those expectations aren't uh, – they're not so used to them. Yeah, I guess even in 2007, 2008, I mean, you had Stephen Jackson, but uh, you did have a lot of guys who'd been around but hadn't, hadn't been to the playoffs. So, you know, are, are we looking at, at possibility where, where these guys um, – you know, really, really aren't ready for the load and aren't ready for the, uh, you know, kind of the, the targets on their backs that, that they have to worry about. Evan, do you think that's an issue? I mean, I think that's a media issue. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like, I, I don't know player psychology. I, I, I think that there's probably going to be some, probably some of that initially. You know, there could be some of that, but it's hard to know whether it's due to, like, let's say they, they're not playing well at the beginning of the season. I mean, I would rather think it's just like a chemistry issue and figuring out how to how to play together and not pressure of like a whole season and a whole, you know, fan base and like the media. I mean, maybe there's some of that, but I'd like to think when these guys actually get on the court, they have so much other stuff to think about that they're not like constantly thinking about that. You know, hey Evan. By the way, we we are the media. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. What I was, you know, that's one thing I was going to say earlier that's different about this season, especially from last season, and you know, maybe from a few years ago, is that this is really the first season I can remember where the media, you know, in some cases, is more optimistic than the fan base. I mean, I, I yeah. mean, almost every prediction list you see has us pretty high, and uh, you know, much higher than than I can remember. So. To me, that that is a big difference. And um, another big difference is that I I saw a girl in San Francisco on the train wearing a Warrior shirt in October. So that's like all over the mission. I mean, that's pretty pretty big. Yeah, and and kind of to that point about the about the media um, hyping the Warriors maybe more than the fan base and and, and seeing these new fans. uh, You know, the the playoff run that that they made last year and kind of the excitement, especially Steph Curry. Uh, kind of uh, you know gained in the in the eyes of of the national media and the national fans of the NBA. It, it does feel like the the you know Warriors fans. We 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 kind of know the deal. Uh, you know we know what when to be cautious, uh, and and that is always because we are Warriors fans. <laughs> but the you know the these other uh, you know this kind of the the larger base of of basketball fans um, can can kind of get sucked into. Uh, you know, to, to a moment of excitement and say, oh, you know, now that all these fans are, uh, these, these kind of global fans are, are super into the Warriors, uh, we better rank them a little higher or hype them a little more. Like, do, do you think that's happening? You know, a big factor might be just the NBA itself in looking for the next marketable superstars and teams. Um, Stephen Curry obviously fits the bill. Um, very right. marketable, very likable. You see them on every um, – so I watch a lot of NBA TV, as I'm sure all you guys do. Uh, I would say, you know, every other commercial feels like Stephen Curry's in there. Um, and there's some shout-out to the Warriors. Um, I think it's – the NBA knows they have, they've got a good thing, right? The, uh, the Warriors are very fun to watch. Stephen Curry is highly marketable. Right. Um, they play in a big market um, that's been virtually untapped for the past – you know, 15 years. So, you know, it's, it's a function of the media, but also, you know, I think the league itself is playing a big role in, in trying to get, put the Warriors on the map, right. And really milk it for what it's worth. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Have you, have you guys noticed that in the past, maybe I just missed this completely, but we would always have like 
some like preseason slogan, you know, like obviously like we believe or think big or whatever it was. And like, I haven't we really, suck. S- no, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't seen that this year, even on the website. Like there's no, I mean, it's like the media is sort of doing it for us. Like we don't, we don't need, they're not building, you know, this team up. Yeah. If anything, I think that, you know, Bob Myers and Lake of like, they might try to play it down expectations, but, uh, yeah, I mean, really I've seen, I don't know how many articles I've read in the past week. You guys have probably seen them where like everybody in America ranks us as the funnest team to watch. Like all of a sudden this is the, right. the league pass team to watch right. are the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, you saw, I think SB nation had an article earlier this week or last week and weren't the Warriors number one. On that, oh, I, I mean, there's been, there's been several of them. I think yeah. Grantland had right. it. Uh, yeah, I've read it in a, in a bunch of different places. Yeah, I, I got to tell you guys, like it is, it is a it's welcome, but it also feels really bizarre. You know, when we started uh-huh. Golden State of Mind back in 2005, nobody cared or was writing about the Warriors. So uh, I think we can all enjoy it, right, for what it's worth. Right, this is a huge change, but this is part of what Lakeup and Goober are doing in building the organization. Um, yeah. They have a marketing and social media staff in place that was absolutely, you know, hungering for good product so that they could show what their chops are. And they're pretty good, you know, they're pretty darn good. Um, and then you get guys coming in like Bazemore and sort of forcing his way onto the national stage um, by celebrating. You've got you've got Julia Fair and folks like that going. Wow, I can promote the heck out of this, and so they're doing it. Can I give uh, just one more anic- piece of anecdotal evidence? It's kind of funny. So I don't know if any of you noticed that the, the whole last year I had been sponsoring Stephen Curry's basketball reference page uh, on that right. website, and I think it was like twenty dollars or forty dollars last year. You know, and I was like, well, I'll probably renew that. That'll be great. And I, and I, you know, the renewal thing came around. Now they want $475 for his page. Wow. <laughs> so. And that must be directly related to, to page views. They must yeah. correlate that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I had the Warriors page last year. And if you buy it before it goes live, which would, might be over now. Um, but you know, we'll talk about that later. But it's like you can buy them real cheap. <laughs> Well, let's uh, yeah, let's let's switch gears back into kind of the details of of this team in particular, like what what we're going to be looking at. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Shiloh already also mentioned that uh, he was predicting Harrison Barnes or Clay Thompson as Sixth Man of the Year. That's that's pretty bold statement as well, but. Um, you know what? What other things did we expect with this team? It's a, it's it's much different. We've got uh, Jarrett Jack is gone, uh, and and you know I know we've we've talked about that a lot already, but uh, but it is kind of uh, you know potentially a very fundamental change in in how this team plays. And you, you've got Iguodala who's going to be um, taking over a lot of those those roles, but but not quite in the same way. He's certainly not the same player. Um, he's certainly a better player, but but he's not the same. Um, Rasputin, do you, you know, how do you foresee uh, that aspect of the team changing with with no Jared Jack and Iguodala handling the ball a lot? Well, the main thing is is that we're going to be initiating from the wing. Um, Jack initiates um, from the top almost exclusively, and while Iguodala can do that part of the time, he also likes to initiate from the wing, usually on the right side. That's going to give us a greater flexibility in his court vision is stunning. 
his ability so far to find Bogut a few times has been amazing. Yeah. And the distance and perception and accuracy are just going to give an entirely different dimension. Instead of that arcing shot going up, that could be an arcing pass for a dunk and a higher percentage opportunity. And it seems like kind of uh, inevitable that, and and rightly so, that um, that Curry's going to have more um, responsibilities bringing the ball up to the, you know, at least bringing it up to the top and, and, and getting it over to Iguodala and then running into a set in the corner or whatever. Um, I, I think that the, the playoffs last year kind of showed that Curry should have the ball in his hands a lot more um, and, and kind of making right. him the, you know, rather than him switching to the two guard uh, as, as, as Jack, you know, handles the ball a lot more. I don't really know if, if, if that same kind of dynamic that uh, between the two is going to happen with, with him and Iguodala. Like, do I we don't s- think so. Yeah, um, we don't. You don't see Iguodala bring bringing up the ball more and just actually being the primary initiator coming up up top, or he's going to be receiving the ball on the wing first and then initiating. Oh, um, I think I think that's more likely. But what I also noticed in the Sacramento game, in the first half, Clay had four assists, Bogut had four assists, Iguodala had six assists, and Steph had six assists. That means that they're initiating the play from wherever they want. This is this is getting very close to positionless basketball, even though it's masquerading as as a full set of normal positions. I didn't. That's um, interesting. You mentioned uh, Curry with six assists in that game. I think what did he average last year? It was close to eight, right? Or six, close to seven right. or eight. Uh, do you see that decreasing this year? I I think back to the Kings teams of I think it was two thousand. Three, uh, 2002, 2003, I, if I remember correctly, they didn't have anyone average over seven assists a game. They had a bunch of guys doing, you know, the four, six assists a game. Um, do you see uh, that dropping? I don't know. It's, it's really going to depend a lot on the way it plays out. Um, I think that's even going to depend on whether you've got Clay on the floor more with him or if you've got Harrison on the floor more with him. I'm just not sure how that's going to go at all. I, I'm I, not sure how David Lee is going to fit into that. It it is kind of uh, there are some similarities. I mean, Lee is a pretty good passer. He's no Chris Weber, um, and and Bogut's a good passer. He's no no Vladi Divac. But um, it, Curry is so much better than Mike Bibby, even even in you know <laughs> Bibby's best years. That you know I I don't know if they can kind of duplicate that style of play so much because they need. Curry to have the ball in his hand so much more, um, and and I think that he's going to generate uh, just as many assists, um, you know, more this year. I think because they they've they've got better weapons. They're a little deeper, um, and uh, and hopefully with a with a healthy Bogut and not not Stonehands Festus Zelli, um, <laughs> they're going to be scoring a little more inside on on, on dump offs. Um, but it does seem like, yeah, Iguodala is going to, to get at least Jack's assists and and maybe, you know, hopefully more. But it is, uh, I mean, it, it kind of, comparing to those those Kings teams is uh, is uh, great in itself because that was that was such a fun team to, to watch. And, and I, right. I hope that we see that with this team as well. Is there any um, anything that that you guys are are really worried about? And and I, I I wanted to make sure that we didn't say injuries because everybody's worried about injuries. And of course we're like, we've we've seen this team, we know these players, so that's 
obviously a huge concern, but is there anything else that, that really stands out? Andy, do you, do you uh, have any, any major concerns? I think, I think this bench is going to be pretty, pretty below average to at least, at least in the start of the season. I think, I think they should start um, Clay. Tom- well, Barnes isn't playing right now, but I think when he's back, they should start Clay Thompson off the bench because um, he's been he's looked great in the preseason. Actually, well, preseason regardless, but he's looked great getting to the basket, passing, shooting, obviously, and so they'll have they they've had Tony Douglas run the backup point so far, and I, I doubt that they'll have, they'll they'll have that happen uh, to start the season, but. Without Carl Landry was pretty underrated last year, and Maurice Spates is not nearly the same inside scorer. We watched Spates is more of an outside shooter, and Landry does that too. But Landry scored a lot of buckets inside, and it's gonna be pretty. I guess they'll they'll play a lot of defense, but it'll be it'll be tough scoring. And Mark Jackson will have to find a way to stagger the starters um, somehow to get some scoring in. And I guess you don't want. Steph to play. I think Iguodala will play a ton of minutes to start the season, at least in the first month. Right. Well, I remember those uh, those those second quarter uh, uh, that second quarter rotation that that Jackson rolled out pretty early in the season or the first half of the season. Remember, he had we were looking at Jared Jack, we we're looking at Landry, and those were your two offensive players. Then that was it was Azili and uh, you know Richard Jefferson. And uh, and Barnes before he kind of started coming on, or or maybe it was uh, instead of Barnes, it would be some other uh, you know Draymond would would come in, and you're going, oh, there's nobody, they can't score at all. Like there's a great defensive, the defensive shock unit that still gave up more points than than they scored because they couldn't score at all. And and I think that there might be some potential for for some of those units uh, with this new uh, this new bench with Jermaine O'Neal. Um, who's you know obviously kind of over the hill and and uh, and Spates isn't the scorer that Landry is. Um, do you think that Jackson's kind of learned his lesson there because he did move away from those those defensive shock units toward the end of the season? Yeah, I mean at certain points you it'll it should it could work with you kind. I guess I don't know how much they want to play Kent Bazemore though. He's uh, I sure. guess he's not a backup guard either, so it'll just be. It'll just be fluid, I guess, for the beginning of the the season to see just what happens. I think uh, the Tony Douglas backup thing was uh, he did that to show to see what he wanted to see, and it, I guess he figured out that it wasn't it wasn't what he wanted. And then they had they they'll have Iguodala run off there with with Draymond, who is shooting more than he did in the postseason. So it'll be. I think it'll be a struggle, but should be all right. Is there anything else from the preseason that that kind of came to mind for you guys that that um, kind of sprung out yeah. as as something that was uh, you know crazy or interesting or whatever? So so for me, um, you know, sort of similar to what other people said, but the one thing that I was actually encouraged um, about was uh, Nenovich and Kuzmich. I mean, you yeah, know, really. obviously they're they're rookies, um, but I have a feeling. I mean, Mark Jackson's not shy about playing rookies, and I feel like at some point both of those guys are going to be playing. You know, uh, I mean, <laughs> so basically, I, I I basically see you know we have six guys, six starters, right? Sure. And then we have yeah. we have Draymond <clears throat> and O'Neal. Uh, right. 
you know, we'll see how much they can play. I mean, O'Neal, so I expect Draymond might get like 20 minutes a night. And I think O'Neal maybe gets 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I really don't want to see Douglas play more than 10 minutes a game. Sure. I don't want to see Spates play more than 10 minutes. But there's probably another 10, 20 minutes, you know, among a couple more players. And I, I actually want to see Nedovich get some time. Because I think that's what teams need to do. They need to build young players. And, like, from what I saw, he provides, you know, athleticism. He can drive. It's just a different look. It's kind of like Eric Bledsoe. And then Kuzmich has size. He has, looks like he has better hands than Azili's ever going to have. He can pass. Yeah, he can true. run the floor. Like, he looked pretty good to me. Um, and, you know, the way this the, this the cap is and financial issues, and you've got to develop players. Um that you think are going to be in your system, you know? And the sooner you do that, the better. Uh, they went out of their way to get these guys, and I feel like I, I felt encouraged. You know, I mean, look, how long did we spend thinking that Jeremy Tyler was going to amount to something? I spent, I spent no time thinking that. Jeremy Tyler was a number one pick. But I mean, he from, what, from, from so. what I saw of Kuzmich, he's already better than Jeremy Tyler, like much better. I thought I was. I know this is nitpicking, but I thought that Deadman was looking pretty decent. He was. Uh, I mean, he was essentially the same player as Azili, which I'm not a fan of Kuzmic because he wasn't. I mean, I, he didn't play that much. So, but uh, watching Deadman, he was. He pretty much did the exact same things that Azili did. And assuming that Jermaine O'Neal will get hurt or he won't play enough minutes, um, that's going to be a problem behind Bogut, um, at least. Well, before yeah. Azili comes back. That's interesting because they were actually projecting Deadman more as a four than as a five. Yeah, I don't see him as a five. And that's one of the reasons why they didn't keep him. Yeah, the Deadman ship has has sailed. Deadman walking, that's what I was saying. I I, I really was not as high on that guy as a lot of people. I just, you know, these guys who are very athletic, uh, but he has no skills. He hasn't played the game. Like, I, I just, it doesn't pan out that often. I think that what we're going to see uh, for for much of the season, at least until Azili gets back and maybe even after, is we're going to see Bogut, and then we're going to see Jermaine O'Neal, and not necessarily, and maybe not even Jermaine O'Neal very much, and we're going to see a lot of Lee at, yeah. the, yes. at, at the center. Yep. I agree. And, I agree. You yep. know, I, I, Kuzmich is going to have have trouble <laughs> supplanting Lee as a as a backup center because That's, they're going to want to do some some fun stuff yeah. with him. No, but, that might be true, and, uh, and and obviously a lot of people clamoring to see Harrison at uh, at the four, um, and so I, I think that that's actually a little more you know Lee at the five and 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 Harrison at the four is probably a little more doable than it's been in the past because now we've got Iguodala on the wing that's that's stopping penetration right. a lot better than we've seen in the past. So that's you know that now that's kind of starting to be a little more exciting than than you know in the past where I'm kind of saying ah. We've got nobody defending the the rim. Yeah, that's that's such a great point. Like when you have strong perimeter defenders that can stop people from penetrating, you're not so reliant on a big man to clean up your mistakes, right? And it gives you a lot of flexibility to right. put a David Lee at the five spot and have those mismatches and those advantages on the other side of the ball, right? Right. Because um, David Lee at the five on offense is actually a pretty good look, right? It it worked a lot. Very good. New York. Yeah, very good look on offense. So 
Uh, I mean, you can never underestimate, you know, how how much of a luxury it is to have someone stopping those penetrators on the wings. Um, and I, I know I'm probably gushing right now. It's it's because, you know, I can't remember the last time the Warriors had, you know, someone on on the perimeter that could stop that penetration. You know, it, you know, last guy might have been actually Latrell Sprewell, you know, with that stance um, where he could stop, um, you know, people from just walking into the key and dunking. So um, that that's something we've all got to be really excited about. Yeah, I mean, is I wanna, it... I want to... Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to jump in on Evan, on Evan for a second on the uh, Nadovich stuff. He's not a typical rookie. He's already played against NBA players in Eurobasket. Yeah. He can handle that level of pressure. And he's raw, but his development, even over the course of that tournament, was fairly remarkable to me. Um, I would like to see him on the, on the court at some points, too. Yeah, and he seems very confident. I mean, just even just listening to him in interviews, seems like a very confident young player. They did that uh, that hazing bit uh, after that that uh, practice. They they did a live practice, I think, on Sunday, and, and they they hazed him and you know made him sing something in in Serbian, and he was wearing the you know the the One Direction backpack and like a yeah. Furby hat or something. I don't know what it was, but but it, it, he, they did that to Kuzmich, and Kuzmich was just he just kind of just you know shrunk away funny. and just disappeared and. And uh, and Netovich just he wore it, you know. He was ready yeah. to. He was he was super confident. He did this little quip about, uh, you know, he's gonna be the YouTube sensation in Serbia, and then he just and then he sung his song. I was like, man, he is he is not afraid of of the NBA life yet. You know, he's kind of ready yeah. for this. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll want to get to to predictions uh, in, in a little bit. I know that Andy already kind of poo pooed them in a, in his piece today. Well, we well, predictions, we you know, it, but it's fun uh, and and it'll be fun to to look back on this. Or I'm going to record them and uh, you know see who uh, who comes out on top toward the the season's end. But but before we do that, um, I just want to talk a little bit about about the rest of the league uh, because there's just so many stories. There's a lot going on. The Western Conference, you know, looking at those um, those top seeds, I mean, it it seems to me that there's not a favorite. Like in the last couple of years, I know that it, like last year it didn't pan out this way because the Spurs were the number one seed, but um, and and rightfully so, made the finals. But uh, um, you know, do is the the Thunder probably aren't aren't that number one uh, kind of expected team anymore? And just in the last two three years, we're looking at Thunder and we're looking at Miami, and those were you know, kind of who we expected to come out on top. And this year, it's I think it's kind of wide open. It it, it seems to me. Um, Shiloh, what do you you know? Do you see it the same way, or do you still think that they're you know that that basically the Thunder are going to come out on top? No, I, th- I think I think you're exactly right. It's um it's wide open. At least today, at the beginning of the season, injuries will, of course, change all that. Um, you know, we haven't seen Russell Westbrook play in about, I don't know, what, it was been like seven months. Um, so very interested to see how he comes back. Um, obviously, he's the key for Oklahoma City Thunder being, you know, a top three team versus being, um, you know, a potential first round out uh, if they're fan a good team. The Spurs, you know, we've been saying that they're they're getting too old for uh, I don't know ten years now, but uh, we haven't seen that. Like they're still going to be in the thick of teams, but there's always one team that seems to have the Spurs number. Uh, last year was kind of unfair because the Heat beat them in a game seven. 
But before that, um, I think it was the Grizzlies, and before that, um, maybe not before that, but it was the Mavs. There's always some team that has their number, so I'm not sold on them being the the team that'll come out of the West. Uh, the Rockets, I think there's a lot of questions about the uh, you know the James Harden Dwight Howard pairing. Uh, it looks great on paper. You you never know what's gonna happen. Last year, I thought the Lakers with Dwight uh, and Kobe were gonna be amazing, right? And and take it all um, in the West and face the face the Heat. Um, didn't exactly go down like that. Um, and then in the Pacific Division, uh, I think everyone's uh, really expecting big things from the Clippers because they have Doc Rivers as their coach. So that'll be interesting to see how they come out. And then the Warriors are kind of maybe a little bit of a dark horse in there. Um, it's hard to argue, you know, spots one through five. There is, um, you know, the semblance of a team that makes a whole lot of sense. So. Uh, I guess where I'm going is I don't know. I, I actually don't know who will come out of the West yet. Uh, I'd I'd probably want to give it um, about 20 games to see how <laughs> how the injuries are, and and then I think I'd be in a better spot to make a pick. But this probably I, I agree with you. It's the first time in in a while where I, I don't have a consensus uh, team coming out of the Western Conference. I mean, and it's looking like it's six teams that are you know that are kind of you know, possibilities there. We've got the Clippers. We've got the Rockets. Uh, Oklahoma City, uh, Spurs, uh, Grizzlies, who we've all kind of forgotten about, and then the Warriors. It's uh, it's crazy, and and the, you know the other two spots. I I, th- I think it's clear that those are going to be the six best teams because otherwise you have like the Lakers and Portland and Minnesota, um, maybe a couple others. But I, you know, I think we're really looking at at those six teams. But really, I wouldn't be shocked if if any one of those teams came out on top. Yeah, and we haven't even started talking about the Utah Jazz yet. Well, <laughs> that, <laughs> and we're not going to. Aside from thanks, <laughs> we, we'll we'll talk about them toward the season end when we're doing a uh, you know a, a draft preview. Uh, so who has a, a, you know, ta- yeah, exactly a lottery preview. Is there any? Are there any teams that um, clearly were in front of the Warriors last year that are going to take a step back? I and mean, we just talked about the Spurs, but but you know. Well, Denver. Yeah, exactly. Okay, aside from Denver, right. that, who I don't even think is going to make the playoffs. I, I'm kind of down on on Denver, oh. though. That's you know, kind of just just looking at their whole situation. They lost George Carl, and and they they lost their their GM, and it's just They're kind starting of a, JJ Hickson. So you know, they're kind of screwed. And we were just talking about this before we started recording, but apparently, starting Anthony Randolph at the three is this? Is, they, this, is that true? Wow! I, apparently, that is true. So they're going to start Randolph, um, Hickson, and Hickson Mozgov? And oh, so my they, goodness. Oh. They just swapped Andre Iguodala at the three with Anthony Randolph. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least until Gallinari gets back, I hope. I hope that's the plan. I mean, I also saw that um, that Shaw is talking about playing more of a, a grinded-out offense, which is like, I don't, I don't understand what the thinking is there when you're you know, Denver's always been an up-tempo team, and it's always been an up-tempo team for a reason. It's because they're they've got the high altitude. Like, why would they switch to a right. to a grinded-out team with with you know with power players that aren't incredibly skilled anyway? I mean, I think the I think the reason is George Carl lost nine playoffs series, hmm. and they they realized that they that you know sort of like the Warriors did eventually. Like, yeah, you can play well in the regular season and. And have this strategy to take advantage of, 
of Denver, but like at some point that might not work. And it's like, when are we going to deal with that? So, and I, I think part of it is just, is just ego. He wants to let people know that this is, this is, he's coaching this team now and he wants to do things his way. And, and I think, I don't think Ty Lawson was happy about it either. And now they're trying to trade away Kenneth Fareed. Yeah, it's probably not going to turn out well for the Nuggets. I think I think Memphis is on the way down. I think they've already peaked. Yeah, Memphis is the one that's interesting because everybody always forgets about Memphis, and and we've had a hard time beating Memphis. Sure. Every time I see us play Memphis, they kill. Right, so literally. I I I'm really interested to see if we've actually is this the year where we're you know actually better than Memphis. I'm actually skeptical because I still like Memphis. I mean, they have Gasol, Conley, who's extremely, extremely underrated. Um, they got rid of Rudy Gay, and that They're, was that was mid-season last season, right? I'm not I'm not going crazy here. Yeah, right. And and so this is the first you know first beginning of the season without Rudy Gay, and I mean they kind of what they've got going at small forward right now isn't really impressive, but but addition by subtraction there, right? Yeah. So I'm. I, I still want to see it. You know, I want to see us beat them. But everybody else seems to think we're clearly ahead of them, which I, I think is a little bit... It's, <laughs> it's premature. And I think part of it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where, you know, the Warriors kind of made this splash in the playoffs last year, and they're super exciting, and they've got a marketable star. And then you look at the Grizzlies, and they play in Memphis, and they're just kind of boring because they, you know, what they do well is, you know, just solid defense. Uh, you know, they're just kind of a, a plotting team that that just wins games year in and year out because they've got Marc Gasol and he's so good, and uh, you know, Randolph's been producing for a long time, so they're just, they're just kind of boring, and I think we forget about them because of that. So it'll be interesting to see, if I remember correctly, when the Warriors played the Grizzlies last season, Bogut was not healthy. Um, and if I remember correctly, those were games that Marcus Gasol dominated on both ends of the floor. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that changes this year, and if those, if that series is lopsided towards the Grizzlies again. Um, I would, I would guess that it, it's actually going to be a lot more equitable than it was last year with the Warriors squeaking out more of those wins. It would have been closer if Rush hadn't gone down in the first game. Yeah, that's no. right. I, right. I, I don't want to remember that. I also, one of the worst games I've ever been to was uh, I somehow managed to get like second row seats, and it was uh, you know super super excited. It was that Memphis game where the Warriors went up by like twenty five, really mm-hmm. early on, like in the second quarter or the beginning of the th- yeah I think it was the second quarter. And and so then it was just kind of like a boring like they're leading by a lot for uh, you know for three quarters and then they just lost it all in the last six minutes and I'm going so I didn't get any sort of excitement here it's just uh, just kind of you know a, a blowout on one end and then a huge letdown on the other end and I'm just like oh god I, I can't watch another Memphis game live I want to I want to talk about the Thunder a little bit because I. You know, without Westbrook, I mean, they were talking about him being out for six weeks, and now I just saw something that said uh, it might only be two. Um, that that seems optimistic, a, a huge change from two from six weeks to two weeks. But um, you know, are they going to be able to weather the storm without him? Is uh, uh, you know, are the, the other ways that their team has changed? They they lost Harden, and then and then now they don't have Martin either, so they're really relying on somebody to step up either 
uh, Perry Jones the third or um, or Jeremy Lamb. You know, they really need one of those guys to to produce now. Um, and especially without Westbrook, they just don't have that much offensive production. Like, do are do we see them uh, taking a big step back? Are they going to be able to weather the storm? And, and really, is, is Scott Brooks in trouble? Because that's what I keep coming back to. I, I just don't really see how, you know, if, if they have a, a subpar, big, you know, first half of the season, Scott Brooks seems like he might have a target on him. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, yeah, I saw that too. So if he's only two weeks, then I think they'll be okay. Their schedule is pretty soft. The only good teams that they're going to be playing for the first couple of weeks are the Clippers, the Warriors, and San Antonio for about the first two to three weeks. Hmm. So they should be fine with... Reggie Jackson is is pretty good, too. Um, he looked good in the postseason. They still couldn't... They still, I mean, he's not Russell Westbrook, of course, but and I think I think Ibaka will will be will be better. Um, I assume that um, he'll be better because um, uh, he he looked he was uh, he looked his offensive game was was uh, was exploited was exposed last year uh, when when it came down to he didn't have a back to the basket game he could only hit the the fifteen footer and when it wasn't going he really didn't present much. But I think they'll be okay and if they're healthy by the time it gets to the Midseason to the postseason, they'll probably be the second best, first second best team in the in the Western Conference. I don't think you can argue against that. But that's hmm. the if they do lose and Scott Brooks keeps playing Kendrick Perkins and Derek Fisher for some absurd reason, then yes, I mean that's man. I don't I don't get that, but I I still think you can arg- I still think you can argue against it. I, I I think that the Clippers are are unfortunately I think that the Clippers are just a a, a better I think they're better too deeper team now too. and and kind of like I just kind of see them as the number one seed. I don't really see any way around that as sure. much as I wish I did. And and then you know Houston is the is the kind of wild card there where I, they could really go from anywhere from two to two to six. But I'm kind of I've got them slotted into two right now because just because they're going to be at the line all the time and it's going to put some some real pressure on other teams that's a good point they may not be real fun to watch overall this year what, um, what did you guys th- what did you guys think about the news that jeremy lynn's going to come off the bench i didn't see that who's starting yeah so beverly's going to start so uh, that's a that's a bit of warriors uh history there right pretty interesting yeah, Can't be good for TV ratings. What what is the I mean what is the reasoning behind that? Did 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 you read that? Because I mean clearly Lynn is a better player than Patrick Beverly, right? I don't think it's actually that clear. I I think Beverly's a, a better defensively, so I think their thinking is, you know, you basically want Beverly to be in there to defend point like starting point guards, and you're gonna have Harden and Howard with the ball most of the time, scoring and Parsons. Sure. So like. Sure. It's sort of like us. Like you really don't need a fourth option. You know, in our case, we have Curry versus Tony Douglas, so it's it's an obvious choice. But I think for them, they have Lynn come off the bench more offense uh, than Beverly, and I, I actually think that'll work for them. You know, it's interesting. Maybe it was just me, but I remember back when Jeremy Lynn uh, had his short stint with the Warriors. It's been three years now, um, right. and in those you know, a few minutes he used to get playing time. I always thought he was playing exceptional, very aggressive defense. Um, and obviously, you know, he really struggled with shooting and offense here. But um, That's right. you know, I, I never really saw that in New York or Houston. Uh, I'm wondering, was, was I just imagining things that his defense no. was pretty stellar back then? 
No, he, he was he was a genuine nuisance on defense. Um, I remember the board posts were worth of the Lakers, and, and he was all over Derek Fisher. Yeah, I, I I recall that as well. It wasn't it, he was a nuisance, but he also was uh, was pretty good keeping his body in in position. He was he, he could he could move laterally really well. And yeah, I don't know I don't know what happened. Whether it's just because he was trying so hard to stay on the floor. Uh, for for the Warriors, so he was doing what he could, and kind of just putting more effort on that end of the floor. Um, and then he goes to New York, and he becomes this you know the superstar overnight, essentially. So yeah, that's it, it, interesting. I wonder if he's he's a kind of guy who's who's either one uh, one or the other. Before yeah, it's we interesting, maybe that's you just you've got to play. You just stay on the floor. I remember Monte Ellis uh, back in was it '06 when. Uh, Coach Montgomery was the coach of the Warriors. Um, you know, he I thought he was playing stellar defense. And if you look back at some of the things that I wrote back then, you know, I projected him to be a better defending Tony Parker um, because I thought his defense was exceptional. Things uh, things played out quite differently. But, uh, <laughs> but it's interesting how uh, defense, you know, is really something that uh, it gets you on the floor when you're younger. But... Um, you know, you make some, make the big bucks, put up some points, and then you start to forget about your rates. So. We're we're running late. I do want to talk a little bit about the Eastern Conference before we go. Um, is is the Heat? Um, are, are the Heat still the final? Uh, the the favorites for the finals, the championship yeah. even? Yes. Yeah. All the way yeah. around. Yes. Uh, no, it's LeBron. Okay. Thank yeah, you for the clarification. I I did see. I mean, there 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 are a few articles out there that. Um, Controversially, in my view, uh, put the Bulls ahead of the Heat. Suddenly, you know, now that that Derrick Rose is back, and 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 you know, the Bulls have played them really well and have played very good regular seasons. Um, you know, is there? Do we really see that as a possibility, Andy? Do you think Derrick Rose at one hundred percent didn't actually fare very well a couple of years ago against in the conference finals? So I don't see the reason for thinking that he'll suddenly get better from that in advance. So, I mean... I mean, it wouldn't, it, for me, it wouldn't shock me if the Bulls were much better. Not much better than the Heat, but just much better than last year and, like, competitive with the Heat. And if the Pacers are, too. Like, that, n- neither of those would surprise me. I mean, I don't expect it, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't say either of those would be super surprising. Right, yeah, the Pacers got better. They got a better bench, Um I, I I didn't uh, catch the game today, uh, coming home from work. But it did 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 we see Granger back in play yet? Is he is he no, back? I think no. he's, he's out no. for a few weeks. Okay. Yeah, three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Okay. You know, we might be seeing what we saw in the '90s, uh, where people had a little bit of Michael Jordan fatigue in the media, um, and then you saw Charles Barkley and Karl Malone sneak in for some MVP awards, and of course, Michael Jordan had the last had the last word um and i mean you you can't fault the media including us because because we're part of the media um you know looking for new storylines and trying to keep it interesting but um i think you know if you put a uh i don't have a good hoops analogy for this but if you put a gun to most people's heads they're gonna say lebron james and mine he coming out of the east um at the end of the day it's gonna be pretty clear any other uh, any other interesting uh, you know wrinkles uh, over have, in the Eastern Conference? I have a question actually for um, 
for everyone, I guess. But uh, it appears um, the season's pretty pretty hyped up before for for pretty much every storyline. Um, when was the last time a season was this? LeBron's chance at a three P. We've got Durant, Chris Paul's maybe f- best chance at an MVP. You know, just a bunch of bunch of star players, and uh, I've only been watching basketball for like a decade. So I refer to you guys. When was the last time like a season's been this? been this exciting well i was kind of i was kind of alluding to that uh at the at the intro i i feel the same way but and i and i don't know if it's if it's reality or if we just think this every year and yeah and and just forget that and then it comes along again we're like oh my god (laughs) basketball this is gonna be great um uh but but it seems we've got we've got kind of a really good balance of kind of some of the old guard like not not really the old guard but there's still still guys hanging around from like pre-lebron that are still good then you've got the lebron um you know kind of the that group of players the uh 2004 Mm -hmm. draft um that that is you know kind of just really in their prime still and then there's all these kind of young players coming in that are that are super exciting, and so it seems like you 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 know maybe more than than in recent memory we've got a really really good mix of just just talent, just good talent. Yeah, and you know if there's one team we haven't talked about that I actually find incredibly intriguing, which is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and yes, you know they have a lot of old parts, but those are still a lot of good parts. And you know I think one through maybe you're seven or eight on the roster is, is pretty interesting. Um, now I, I don't think they, they're going to take out the heat. Uh, I'd be surprised if they could even push them to six games, but, um, you know, I, I might, you know, I might venture to say that they'd be better than the bulls, but I mean, that's a little crazy. Sounds crazy right now, but I don't know. Um, they're <laughs> they're going to be an interesting team. And, um, I, I, I'm kind of wondering, like, maybe are they not getting enough of the spotlight? Bill Bill Simmons and uh, maybe Zach Lowe. I don't remember who was talking to in one of his podcasts. Um, was talking about how how well balanced they are on offense. Where you you know you've you've got a, a low post scorer in in Lopez, and then uh, you know a good high post scorer distributor in Garnett, and then you've got wings, and you've got a big point guard and who can play pick and roll with either of those guys. And they've got a and and then they've got this incredible depth. You know they've you know they have a lot of guys on the bench that. Have been around that um, that know how to play, uh, but th- yeah, and then they've all been around. <laughs> it is kind of an older team, and I don't know defensively how strong they're going to be, um, and and rebounding the ball as well. Um, but I also wouldn't be shocked at all if 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 they supplanted the the Bulls as kind of a you know a potential number two. Um, or, or you know, challenging the uh, the Heat at least during the regular season quite a bit. I don't want to like the Nets. No, <laughs> I, just, I just I think I'm going to hate that team. That's that's pretty much my only thought about the Nets. I <laughs> how can you hate KG? I don't like him. I mean, there, I like, there are a I, lot of ways I, to hate KG. Yeah, I I just don't want to like that team. Just the way that team. Uh, you know, just from the ownership on down, like uh, you know, they it's it's basically like let's put a band aid on top of another band aid, and we'll do this for this year. And like, I mean, come on, this is this is gonna last what one season? And and their their payroll is, I think, it's over a hundred million right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, so oh, it's, like, yeah. It, it's like it's like rent to 
it's basically rent a team. Um, it I, it's like baseball. It's actually the reason I don't like baseball anymore. You know, I just I I don't uh, I just don't like the way that team is built. But I think they'll be pretty good. The top five, the starters for the Nets, make more than any other team in the league. Is is that true? The just the yeah. top five? That's crazy. Yes, yeah, they make over eighty million dollars a year. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of uh, indicating that maybe there's something wrong with uh, with the salary cap structure, but but maybe not. I mean, we'll, we'll see if they're um, if they're able to withstand it. I mean, again, these are older, expensive players. There's a reason why they they they're making a lot of money. It's because they you know are super veterans. They they have bigger maxes, and so you you do see guys with seventeen, eighteen, twenty million dollar contracts in that team. So. Um, any, uh, any final, oh yeah, I, I did want to, before we go, cause we're already over an hour. This is a uh, kind of flown by. Um, I do want to, uh, to hear you guys predictions. So, um, Rasputin, what, what do you, uh, what do you see for the Warriors, uh, final record? And, uh, let's say, uh, playoff C or how about how far they make into the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know what to actually predict, but uh, at least their uh, their their uh, regular season record. I've got them coming up in either fifth or sixth in the West, probably matching up to either Memphis or Houston, and winning either one of those in the first round, uh, depending on the order of the rest. I think there's actually have a legit chance to make it to the conference finals this year. Awesome. And do you have a win-loss numbers? Oh, win-loss, I'm going to go with 56 win. 56, okay. Uh, Shiloh, what do you think? Um, I said 50 wins in my preview, so i got to stick to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think this team will be infinitely better than last season, but I still see a second round out. And that doesn't mean that the team didn't get better this year. It's just hard to get past the conference semifinals uh, when you're facing up against teams like, um, you know, the Clippers, the Rockets, maybe the Spurs, um, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Those are some good teams. Losing to them in a seven-game series is nothing to be ashamed of. But um, I'm, I see them around that uh, conference finals level. Conference semifinals level, sorry. Got it. Evan, what do you think? I'd like to say... I'd like to say mid fifties, but I I actually think I'm going to go with forty nine wins. Wow. Um, Everybody now hates you on the internet. Yeah, no, just because later, you know, if they don't win fifty, I can say, see, I told you so. But uh, yeah, I'd say forty nine wins, and I I think they can repeat getting to the second round. Um, you know, I think when you have like a lot of you know sort of new pieces, young players, um, roles being figured out. Uh, I, I think this is, I'm hoping this is not the peak year. So it's sort of like, you know, if, if I was going to say 55 this year is like, how, how much higher could they go? So I'm thinking like, maybe it's 49 this year, maybe it's 52 the next year, maybe it's 55 the third year, something like that. All right. Andy, we already know your predictions, but, but, right. uh, give them to us, give them to so us again. I, I thought I was the downer, but so 52. Um, I think they'll lose in the second round too, but I think they'll be better. I think, I think it's the weird thing is that, or not the weird thing, the good thing is that Harrison Barnes isn't gonna even gonna be the player that he's gonna be this year. I think he's gonna be really good on defense, and uh, and Clay Thompson is gonna be is gonna get much better. And yeah, I think they're gonna be a much better team this year than last year. I just 
it's just tough to beat to beat the teams that are ahead of, that will be ahead of them. So, yeah. right. I've got uh, I've got fifty three wins. I've got them as the fourth seed, playing the San Antonio Spurs in the first round, and I think that uh, that in the rematch we're going to take them in the first round. And uh, and then match up against the Clippers in the second round, and I, I'm not going to make that prediction right now because I don't feel comfortable, um, you know, saying that the Clippers might beat us. It just feels Somebody's gross. Somebody's got to pick us to the finals. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you say you saw you say you think the Spurs are going to be was it the fifth seed? The fifth seed, yeah. I think. Why do you see them dropping so far? Because we've all been saying that um, the age is going to catch up with them, and we've been saying that for five years, and like it has to happen. They they are actually aging. Like this is this is something that humans do. (laughs) They're getting older, and at some point, that statement is going to be true. And hey, why not this year? (laughs) Well, nobody has said that this year, so maybe that the year that we don't say it, it's going to actually happen. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. There you go. (laughs) All right, guys. Who to blame? Yeah, exactly. You can look to me when the Spurs are uh, headed to the finals once again. Uh, which you know, you know that there's still some charm in that. I can I, I can kind of get behind uh, seeing Duncan and one one last run for it. So one last five foot miss over Battier, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. Hopefully, we don't have any Spurs <laughs> listening to this podcast. Spurs fans. All right, guys, uh, that'll wrap it up for this. Uh, uh, this first episode of the Golden State of Mind podcast. Uh, it, it's been a long one, so thanks anybody who's uh, who's possibly still listening here. Uh, this Saturday, of course, is uh, GSOM night, and so I hope that uh, we'll see a lot of you fans out there. I know that uh, probably most of us on uh, on this uh, roundtable are going to be there, so uh, so we can hopefully meet you and uh, and you know share our excitement for the season finally finally has arrived so thanks guys uh and uh and we'll all uh get together and talk to you soon for sure thanks, thanks, guys. Guys.